Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined today by Dale Bloom. How's it going, Dale? It's going well. Winter has come and gone, and spring is near. Yeah, I'm I'm still worried that we're going to get yet another last gasp of winter, but uh, <laughs> today is beautiful. Obviously, sunny when I get home, which hasn't been the case, and Definitely sweatshirt weather to walk the dog, which is my favorite. So, yeah, very happy with the, with the sun being out. Um, we had a busy, busy week for the Blue Jackets. Lots of games, lots of news coming out. Uh, we are a week away from the trade deadline, and things have been quiet, maybe a little too quiet. Um, so we'll touch upon that as we go along here because uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about. First, uh, last Monday... The Jackets hosted the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was the third game in four days for the Jackets, fourth game in seven days. Uh, First period, they looked like a team that had played a lot of hockey, and they were totally gassed, down 3-0 at the first break. Uh, But then they came back, and early in the third period, they managed to tie it up, ended up losing the game 5-4, but all things considered, Pretty good effort on national television. What did you? Uh, what were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, it was a really up and down game. I remember thinking after the first period that it was just over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I almost, you know, I wanted to turn it off and, and go do something else, and but but I stuck around, and it ended up being a, a great game. One that the team once again just fought back, yeah. and it's been it's been something that's happened lots of times this year. Um, and especially against a good team, a really good team with lots of talent, to see them claw back and at least make it close in the end. Um, you know, obviously it would have been nice to to tie it up and, and get the win, but, um, you know, for a team that's in a quote-unquote rebuild or, or reset, whatever you want to say it, um, you know, these types of games, it shows character of the team, and especially when you've got young guys um, in the lineup too. Yeah, I feel like that weekend was kind of a best-case scenario because – they had three games at home against playoff teams, and all three games were very close, came down right to the end. Two of them went to overtime, and now the Jackets lost all three, earned two points out of it, but 
you know, they did the right thing as far as draft position, if you're the kind of person that cares about that. But at the same time, they showed that they've got talent, that they can put the work in, that they can hang with these teams if they play the right way. And and so far, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, that I wanted to touch upon briefly from this game um, is Austin Matthews. And that one, he scored, what was his 40th goal of the season already mm-hmm. in like less than 60 games. Uh, he scored 40 last year, even though it was a shortened season. The dude is a goal-scoring machine. And, you know, I feel like for about four years at least now, we've it's kind of just been t- accepted as a given that Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. But is Austin Matthews in that conversation? I feel like they're pretty much neck and neck at this point, yeah? I I think so. It, Austin Matthews leads the league in goals. Mm-hmm. Um, he has really picked up his two way game. Yeah, um, he really impressed me in the game against the Blue Jackets and that entire line too, including Michael Bunting, who has been a revelation this sure. year. I mean, there were just times where they were just. It looked like Columbus was an AHL team out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had him hemmed in the zone for minutes at a time. Um, it was just really ugly at times. Um, and he's really, really impressive. He, he forechecks hard. Um, you know, he, he makes the little plays. So I think he absolutely has to be in the conversation. Um, you know, until, until McDavid and the Oilers can, um, can win more games, um, I think Austin Matthews should definitely be in that conversation. Yeah, and I, you touched upon the difference for me, which is that I feel like Austin Matthews can play defense. You know, Connor McDavid is... He's effective at limiting shots against just because when he's on the ice, he has the puck. But Matthews is the kind of guy that can battle and get the puck back. And given that he can score as much as he has, it's really weird for a center to be scoring that many goals. Um, so for him to be able to score like that, to play that kind of 200 foot game, mm-hmm. uh, he's got, yeah, he's got a little bit of sandpaper to it. He just earned a two game suspension for. Crossing Rasmus Tallinn in the face. Um, might, might have been a little much by Dops there, in my opinion. But yeah, I, but also, you know, they don't want to play favorites with the with the stars of the yeah. league, and I think it was certainly worthy of at least a game suspension because yeah. you can't cross check a guy in the head. Um, yeah. But still, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for um, the type of player that he's become, and he's really fun to watch when he's not actively beating mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets. I think that he's probably got a couple more years too until he's in his prime, you know, oh, 24 sure. years old. You know, he's he's got he's got his best years ahead of him. Um and I think that he's just going to continue to get bigger, big body. He's a big yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Um which a lot of people don't, you know, which is one of the things you kind of didn't notice earlier in his career. Right. Um kind of tall and lanky, but he's starting to fill out and he's a force on the ice, that's for sure. That wraparound goal that he scored. Oh, um yeah. you know, a lot of, you know, some of it's on the defense, right? And the, the Blue Jackets defense for giving up that goal. But just he's he's quick with the puck. He makes quick decisions. And, man, he's he's impressive to watch. And to think that we were we were close. I mean, how close were we to being able to, to get him, too? Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been a game changer for sure. And, yeah, we were arguing about that goal in the slack about the way that Dean Kukin played it. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think I don't blame Kukin for chasing him behind the net because I feel like that is something that our defense does intentionally. They will chase a guy behind the net, but usually that is to force them to the outside and usually mm-hmm. to drive them into where the other defenseman is, which wasn't the case here because Gavrikov was on that side as well. 
he was tied up with his guy, couldn't get over to cover that part of the net. And obviously, Kukin's not going to win a foot race with Austin Matthews. But even if Kukin had stayed in front of the net, I still feel like there's a good chance that Matthews could have scored there because he just got such a good shot. And when he gets close range like that, you know, anything can happen. After that loss, third loss in a row, things are getting a little, eh. Uh, But we got some genuine bad news in that Alexander Texier has been granted a leave of absence. Yarmo Kekalainen said that recently Texas experienced personal losses of people very close to him, and our priority right now is to support him in every way possible. We're going to give him the time he needs and look forward to welcoming him back to the Blue Jackets family when he is ready. Uh, so that's just, I, your heart breaks for Tex. Um, I, they didn't say who it was. I know that he's very close with his grandparents. Uh, at least one of them had a COVID scare uh, in fall of 2020 when Tex was over there. So I just, I feel really bad for him. Uh, I was felt bad that his, he had that injury that interrupted such a great season that he was having, but um, it's really unfortunate that he's going through this, but also good on the team for giving him the time that he needs. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but, but someone had, had tweeted it out that someone close to the team had tweeted out that it was two family members. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the best, all the best from, from us goes out to, to Texia. He's a, been a big part of this team. I think we saw him take a huge step this year. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see him going forward. Um, you know, there had been some rumors that he was on the trade block. Those have been doused, uh, you know, by, by Yarmo since those rumors mm-hmm. came out. I think that he's, he's a good player and uh, all the best to him and look forward to seeing him back. Um, maybe not until next year, but, but that's okay. I hope he takes all the time that, that he needs. I, I do hope that we see him yet this season just because he's already missed so much time. And I'd like to see him get some game reps in before the end of the season, just so he's not going to be so rusty or so cold coming into camp next year. Um, and maybe if I, I don't know if France is in the world championships this year, but if you can get a chance to play in that, that'd be another opportunity for him to get some game action again. Depending on how how long Jenner's out as well, we could see some Texier at, at center if he manages to come back before um, Jenner's ready. Absolutely, and and that's an advantage with him too is that he has that ability to play in the middle yet potentially. Um, another guy that can play in the middle is Justin Danforth, who earned himself a contract extension, two years, uh, with a cap hit of nine hundred and seventy five thousand dollars per year, one way contract. He's got a great story. Uh, he was undrafted. He played four years in college, bounced around the minors for a couple of years, went over to Europe for three years, um, did enough over in the KHL to earn the Jackets' attention, get the shot to you know finally try his hand at the NHL. And you know what? He's not, he's not a great player. He's not a superstar by any means. But you know what? He definitely looks like an NHL player. Absolutely. You, you compare him to a guy like Gantz, um, and I, I put – Danforth way ahead of Gantz. Sure. Um, you know, Gantz has been good, but but there's been a lot of games where he he seems overwhelmed, um, has made some mistakes on the ice. Um, Danforth, I think he he's got a really good shot next year at being that um, you know number eleven, number twelve guy on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Um, he forechecks hard. He's a big body. He's aggressive. Um, I like I like him. It's a small cap hit, um, 
And uh, I believe it was Porty who mentioned on The Athletic that, uh, you know, it, it's a great sign to or it's a great signal to the rest of the team, to the rest of the prospects in the organization that, hey, you work this hard, mm-hmm. you put your time in, you do what you need to do, um, and you're going to get rewarded. Um, and Danforth has done all of those things and, and he's getting rewarded. Are we going to see him in the top nine? You know, probably not. Um, but I think that he, he could be a very, very effective um, on the checking line. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that we've seen the coaches, they they trust him at this point, and there have been times where they've played him up in the lineup if there's been injuries mm-hmm. or whatever. They're willing to give him you know minutes against tough competition. Um, and even despite playing in a slightly more defensive deployment, his possession numbers are, are best in the team uh, of the forwards that have been getting regular play, uh, which honestly surprised me when I looked it up. Because initially mm-hmm. when I heard the news, like I was like, you know, why are we giving multiple years to this guy? You know, because I don't really want to bring in anyone who is not part of the long-term future of the team, you know? And I worry, I don't want to block guys like, you know, Tyler Angle or Carson Meyer or Trafix Wolanski. Um, not saying that all those guys are going to work out, but I want to give them a shot to play on the NHL roster if they can. Um, but again, with that cap hit, you know, they can send him down to Cleveland, they can put him in the press box, and it's not gonna it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna prevent them from signing anyone else. Um, but yeah, I made that point as well in, in what I'd written that, you know, he came in here, he has done the job that was asked of him. And I think it is important to show that if you do that, that you can get rewarded. And I feel like the teammates seem to like him. I remember when he made his debut that even Zach Wierenski commented on it. And here, Wierenski's a guy that was a top 10 draft pick that made the team right away, was a first pair guy from day one, you know, had a lot of things handed to him. He has the natural gifts or whatever. But he could respect how much harder it was for Danther to get to this point, but that he mm-hmm. had earned that he had earned that spot there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that resonated with the team. He's not going to score a lot of goals. Um, but one thing that I have noticed quite a bit about him is he does seem to have a nose for the puck. Yeah. He puts, he puts it on net. Um, I think he did that. Uh, or he's out. That was Gons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just looking at, looking at his shots per 60 here and he's fourth on the team Yeah, in shots per 60. So he's putting pucks on net. This is really random. Number one and two, you wouldn't probably guess these. Number one is Brendan Gons. <laughs> Number two is Emil Bemstrom. Sure. Although he hasn't played a lot of games, a lot of minutes. So, you know, that probably explains that. But happy, happy for, happy for Danforth. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Now, unfortunately for Dan, for the first game after signing that contract, he blocked a shot with his ankle and left the game. And so he is on a day-to-day basis there, has not played since then. Breaks your heart to see again. It's his second injury already this season. So every time that he seems to be putting it together, then something like this happens. And that and that's really tough. So hopefully he can get past that and, and get back into playing. That Islanders game was oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, honestly though, six nothing. Not the worst game of the year, though, because I feel like for the first two periods, at least, the Jackets seem to be controlling possession. It's just that Sorokin was a brick wall. They couldn't get anything past him. And every single mistake they made ended up in the back of their net. They have been, the Islanders are funny because they've kind of been the opposite of the Jackets this year. Mm. They've had good defense. Um, They've had really good goaltending. Um, and they just haven't been able to put the puck in the back of the net. Right. Um, and they're they're below the Blue Jackets in standings. They've had a rough year. Um, but yeah, Sorokin was just lights out, absolutely lights out in that game. I think it was halfway through the second period, and I, and I thought to myself, the Blue Jackets aren't going to score in this game. Yeah. Um, just not only the way that they were playing, but just the way that he was playing, the way that the defense was playing. Um, and, you know, young teams are going to have these games. Um, you know, especially when you've got 18 year olds out there, right. They're going to have these clunkers and that was a clunker. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the way that they played recently, it really was kind of the odd game out. Right. Um, it was just a kind of a one-time clunker and, um, they kind of, they played well on both ends of that game. Yeah. Um, so the, the one more thing I wanted to talk about this game before we moved on is, uh, this was Corpus Allo's return to net. Um, first time he played there in a while, which, yeah, you know, you'd expect a little rust or whatever, although he did okay early on. You know, they only he only allowed one goal in the first period, and that was a power play goal. So I felt like he settled in pretty well. But then, you know, from then on, not great. Um, faced 33 shots, but, you know, let six in, had an 818 save percentage. Um, you know, his save percentage for the year is under 900. There, there's no way anyone's going to trade anything for him at this point, is there? I can't imagine somebody would. You know, maybe it's for a seventh-round pick. Yeah. Maybe future considerations. Uh, just to give Corpus Allo the chance to play somewhere else. Maybe yeah. a chance to play a couple playoff games. Um, you know, just as a gesture of goodwill towards the player. Right. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. But no, I mean you're not getting probably anything higher than a late round pick for him at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. Which I, I think I would take anything that was offered. <laughs> even yeah. if it's, you know, 
I think pretty compared to like to the, the Keith Kincaid trade that we made where we sent like a future fifth round pick, which mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if we've used that pick yet. It's, right. it, was, it was that far. Uh, it was that far in the future. Um, so something like that for him just to get something rather than letting him walk and give him a chance for a fresh start. But I don't expect him to go anywhere where he would play immediately unless an apocalyptic situation happened mm-hmm. where a team was down two goalies and then went to him. But, but for a team that would want to have a third goalie on hand as insurance, a third goalie that has playoff experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there is a market for that. Again, the jackets, that's why they pick it up Keith Kincaid in case something happened to Bob and Corpy, which nothing did, but yeah. if it, if it had, then we would, would have had an experienced guy on hand. So that could be Corpy's thing. Um, well, you know, there are teams that need a goalie. You know, yeah. <laughs> you look at the Edmontons of the world, the uh, Toronto for at, that matter, yeah. right? Right. There's teams that need a goalie, so you never know. Yeah. So, but again, not not expecting much from him, um, unfortunately. That game was the first leg of a back to back. The Jackets were not able to fly back after the game. There were plane issues, so they didn't fly out until the Friday morning. Um, then had to play a game Friday night at home, and. Boy, that game was <laughs> against Minnesota. That was a that was a heavyweight bout. That was a brutal game. Those teams were playing physical. Way too many penalties. Five penalties for Minnesota. Eight penalties for Columbus. Uh, Minnesota tried to get under our skin, and we took the bait. Um, which is, I don't like to see that. But it was fortunate that we prevailed. But ooh, boy. At a cost. I was still mad after that game. Mm-hmm. Even after the way that it ended. I think I tweeted it out that we are uh, we won and I'm still mad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was a classic kind of, you go back to the days of when the Blue Jackets were in the Western Conference. Just yeah. a heavy Western Conference game where teams are just hitting each other and going at it. And, um, you know, maybe reminiscent of, of like a Flyers Rangers game mm. back in the day or something, you know. Um, but the way they battled back in that game, they really showed a lot of stuff in that game. Not only did they do a good job of, of kind of matching the physicality of, of the Wild, even though they're a smaller team, um, I thought they did a good job of that. The Wild got a few cheap shots in for yeah. sure. Um, that hit on Voracek was just awful. Yeah. Um, for a player like Felino, who Marcus Felino, who uh, had been suspended early in the season for kneeing a player in the head, mm-hmm. for him to get off pretty much scot free, um, you know, five thousand dollars isn't really going to do anything. Uh, it's just amazing, and uh, there were people across the league, even outside of the the Blue Jackets. Um, that were really kind of baffled as to why there wasn't a suspension handed down for, for that hit. Cause it was just, it was downright dirty. Um, but then after that, I mean, we're that goal with, mm-hmm. with, you know, time dwindling down, I would have loved to be, to been at that game. I oh, bet yeah. that it was just a riot to, to be at that game and, and to see how they pulled it out. Well, um, you, and you can hear on, you can hear on TV that, I mean, after that hit, the crowd was livid. They were out for blood. They were so mad. Mm-hmm. That the, and I can't believe that the refs did not call anything on this. Yep. Even at just a tripping minor. That That is how, I mean, the linesman was right there. Um, you know, why can he t- let the refs know what he saw? Like, cl- clearly, at least a tripping yep. there in open ice. 
But then, yeah, in replays, obviously, I mean, he deliberately stuck his leg out there and made that a knee-on-knee hit. Um, now, you know, I'm sure, and this is where there are some people that they resent the fact that the Jackets are not a a fighting team or not a team that would have someone that would, you know, quote-unquote stand up for the teammate there. But that's a case where I'm glad that that didn't happen because that would have put more guys in the box. And at that point in the game with like a minute left, mm-hmm. we needed everyone available that we could get to have our best players on the ice. I know with like five minutes left, uh, Gus Nyquist was in a, uh, he's got tied up with Kevin Fiala. They both went into the box for penalties. And it's like, damn it, we need, mm-hmm. you know, Gus Nyquist is one of our best players. We're down one. We need him on the ice, you know? Um, so even though we didn't have Jake Voracek, because he was hurt, we had everyone else available for that final minute, and then we were able to set up that Warinsky goal. So I think that in that case, the best revenge is getting the goal. Uh, and I think maybe like Corrali or a player like that, mm-hmm. mentioned that after the game, that that was, you know, putting a putt in the net, that's how they got back at them for that. So that was huge. Um, then, of course, it was scarier to see Patrick Line also take a hit mm-hmm. to the knee in overtime. Now, that one was not, that wasn't a dirty hit. That was just, an unfortunate hit, but you hate to see him go off like that. But, you know, that's a case where uh, the start of the game was Igor Chinnikov. You know, the guy we've raved about all season. He's had his ups and downs. He and Sillinger have gone through kind of a cold stretch lately, but he scored a power play goal in the first period, kick off the scoring in the game. Then he got the shootout winner, his second shootout game winner of the season. I really, I really love the way that that he responded in the game. Chinikov is is such a special player, and I, I'm just so excited to 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 watch him to continue to watch him grow. Yeah. Even when you're watching on TV, when you're not in in the arena, when the puck hits his stick, <laughs> you can almost feel the air come out of the the arena, and the way that that puck comes off of his stick, it just it sounds different than all yeah. the other players. Um, and he just, he's got a heck of a shot. Um, he just seems like a really great kid The the guys in the room seem to love him. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was the first star of the game and that he's got, he's got, he's got some magic in the shootout. Uh, um, yeah. he goes that five hole and he just, he does it so quickly and just so deceptively that he barely even gives the goalies a chance to, to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really quite amazing. I think it was Zach Wierenski after the game that said that he had mentioned to, to Boone Jenner in one of the practices earlier that week that once Chinikov figures out the NHL, um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And you can see him on the ice where sometimes he doesn't really know where to go or what to do. Um, if he, when he does get to, to play on the power play, when the first unit actually comes off the ice, <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of see him wandering around a little bit. Yeah. Um, he gets to a little bit too far out of the cycle. He um, doesn't move around quite enough. Um, but when he gets to puck, he's dangerous. He just needs to continue to learn to to get himself in situations where he's open, um, put himself in those situations where he can be in a dangerous spot with the puck. He's got a good eye for passing too. So he's he's going to be a big part of this organization mm-hmm. going forward. One thing I like is that he is not afraid to shoot. When he when he has a an angle on the goal and he's got his got the puck, like he's gonna he's gonna let it loose. And 
he generates so much power from his wrister. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gets slap shot level power from his wrist shot. And even an NHL goalie is going to have pro- a problem stopping that kind of shot. It's it's truly incredible. You mentioned, you know, the, the teammates love him. I loved seeing the Kepi video that the team mm-hmm. posted. <laughs> and the guys are always so excited for him. Um, and it was cool, like, to compare that to the first time he got the Kepi. Because even in just, you know, like, four or five months since then, like, his English is clearly improving. Yep. And so that's neat to see. You know, I, I do wonder about that. I hope that one of the outlets gets an interview with him at some point because I want to know, I want to get to know more about him as a person, um, mm-hmm. what kind of stuff he's into. I want to know about how the personal adjustment is. Um, it would be tough for any 20-year-old coming into the NHL, but especially when you're coming into the NHL in a foreign country, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time. And, and what's that like, you know, um, what's he doing in his off days? What teammates is he hanging out with? You know, how is the English coming along? Mm-hmm. All the all that sort of thing. But I think it, the body language is right. I think the attitude's right. He seems like a happy guy. Um, there's a lot of guys in the team that seem happy, you mm-hmm. know? And yep. I feel like that's really infectious. And I think that helps with the attitude there that they're not ever going to get too down because they've got that positive attitude, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the new players next year are going to bring, the the Marchenkos and the Johnsons, to see yeah. how they kind of mesh in, into it as well. And uh, Chinikov is lucky to have you know players like Gavrikov. Um, sure. I believe I believe Elvis speaks Russian as well. Correct. Um, on the team, so you know it's probably made it a little bit easier for him, um, thankfully. And it looks like him and Sillinger get along really well too. You can see them chatting on the bench a lot, so it's exciting. It's always fun to see that the personalities, you know, on this team. It's one one of the things that I kind of appreciate a lot about this team versus some of the teams in the past for the Blue Jackets is the personalities. Um, Elvis uh, Voracek. You know, a lot of these yeah. guys just have, they've got a lot of personality. Domi has tons of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate that, that he's probably not going to be on the team too much longer because he is, his press conferences are, are phenomenal. I don't know if you got to see the one from yeah. last mm-hmm. night. Um, he's just, he's just a blast to, to watch. And I'm going to miss the the Patrick Line Twitter videos as well. Those are, those are always <laughs> fun. Yeah. So yeah, Domi is, uh, Kind of surprisingly, like I didn't realize he is running a hot streak now. He has scored five points in the last four games, and he is at uh, 31 points on the season in 50 games. He had 24 points last year in 54 games. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he's another guy that's got a great attitude. He seems very supportive of his teammates. I remember I saw when Justin Danforth signed his contract that. Domi posted about it. He's like, congrats to my line mate, you know, because they've been mm-hmm. playing on the same line recently. Um, so it's really cool. And so it's kind of a shame to think like he's going to be gone because of how close he seems with the team. So here's the thought I had about him. I still think that it's right to trade him. Mm-hmm. And I think because of how well he's playing lately, it only boosts his trade value. But a team would, would pay a first round pick and maybe plus Mm -hmm. to have him as a rental, especially if we retain salary and he would be a great like third line supplementary scoring threat for a playoff team. Mm -hmm. But then in the summer, would you consider bringing him back as a free agent? That's a, that's a really good question. I, I think he fits in great with the group. 
Um, he's a really good playmaker, which this team needs. Right. Um, he adds some grit, some sandpaper to the lineup, which this team needs. Yeah. Um, his defense is questionable at best. Um, I mean, which, and which let's, fits with everyone else no. on the team. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And let's let's be honest. At this point, you know, he's he's not a center. Um, and I think we've seen it enough of it on the Blue Jackets. We've seen enough of it um, on the Canadians as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not sure there's a team in the league who is going to bring him in and be. Oh yeah, hey Domi, play center. Um, so you know, maybe he's at the point now where he is going to accept maybe the fact that he's a winger and not a center. Yeah. Um, and if he's willing to accept that fact, then who knows? He he seems to like it in Columbus a lot. Yep. Um, I absolutely would consider bringing him back at at the right price. And he has been, like you said, I mean, he's a 50 plus point player on this team. Um, those guys don't grow on trees. Yeah. He, um, you know, I, I'd be concerned about the term and mm-hmm. the cap hit. Um, I certainly one wouldn't want to pay him more than what he's been making here because I don't still don't feel like he's necessarily, I don't think his production has lived up to what he's making as a, as a 5 million plus player. Agreed. Um, and I have a feeling with as much as he's moved around his career that he would value stability somewhere if he could get a long-term deal. I don't know that I would go much over four years, but four years at four and a half million, you know, um, that I'd be worried about sort of the numbers game in terms of where does he fit on the roster and does it leave room for, like you said, the Johnsons, the Marchenkos mm-hmm. and whatnot to come. But I think he's a very useful player. I think I think he's a good guy in the locker room. Um, he is a very good passer. So we've got guys on the, on the team that can shoot, and he's the kind of passer that can set them up and can set them up from the wing, similar to a Jake Voracek. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the pass that he had on Sunday for Cole Sillinger's, mm-hmm. that's Cole Sillinger's third goal that made the hat trick, that saucer pass through traffic was gorgeous that was elite it absolutely was not many people can make that pass and i love that you know sillinger even said after the game he's like i knew that he wasn't going to shoot i knew he was going to make that pass and Mm -hmm. domi gave sillinger credit for being ready for the pass and sillinger timed it up perfectly to to tap it in um Mm -hmm. and that was that was so much fun to watch on sunday night there um not not only to to beat a good team in Vegas and take advantage of a good team that was struggling in Vegas, they've now lost four straight. Um, but to come up with that offense, to be playing you know better on defense than they they had been in some of the other games, uh, and then to see Cole Sillinger, eighteen years old, get a hat trick, that is so cool. And I missed it live. I was, I was so oh. mad that I, that I missed it live. Um, we were uh, we were finishing that movie night with the family, and I was keeping track of the game on my phone. And um, I saw the second goal, and I was like, "All right, I got to turn it on." So I'm, I'm getting the game on. I'm getting it ready, getting it going. And I see on my phone, Cole Sillinger hat trick. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but uh, what an impressive, what an impressive kid! I've said it before. He, this guy's the limit for for Cole Sillinger. He's so much fun to watch, even as an 18 year old, watching him develop. I really like. He, he's got a great shot. He's yep. got a nose for the puck. Um, he just he thinks the game really well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, just that Domi pass is the perfect example. 
right? He he knew what he was waiting for. He knew what he was looking for. He he talked about it after the game too. He said, "I either knew it was going to be a zipper, a zipper right across the crease, mm-hmm. or he was going to try and saucer it over the defenseman's stick." So he know he's skating on the ice and he's thinking about these things, and that kind of tells you what kind of player he is. Um, and he's going to be a fan favorite for a long time, I think, in nationwide. For sure, and and I I wonder if that play too reflects the fact that those are two guys that are the sons of NHLers. And so from an early age, those guys were getting an NHL education in how mm-hmm. to think the game, you know, and, and that says a lot. And, and now Cole has, he has tied his father, Mike in career. <laughs> one hat trick. So hopefully there's many more coming on the way for, for Cole, but uh, he has actually, he has more regular season hat tricks than his dad. This is true. Yeah. Mike's one hat trick came uh, in the playoffs for St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, which apparently he texted Jeff Rimmer during the game or Jody Shelley during the game and, and let him know, <laughs> Hey, mine was in the playoffs. So, but yeah, that was super exciting. Uh, the line with, yeah, Sillinger, Bjorkstrand and Domi, they were clicking. And so it's like, Oh man, you know, you hate to think you're only going to get like one more week of that before, before Domi gets traded. And, um, but I do still think that Domi getting traded is the right move, but. How about Bjorkstrand's? nasty no look pass from behind the net that pass was unbelievable too that was so skilled so mm-hmm. good um yeah bjorkstrand's been heating up too he uh he'd gone a little quiet there for a bit but um he's doing great and you know if you look at he's a guy that has been unlucky this season you know he's got like a really ugly plus minus which i don't like that stat and that shows why but if you look at his uh i think he's got the best expected goal percentage on the team so he's doing all the right things he's just not necessarily getting the bounces but he's a guy that when he gets hot he's had some really hot streaks this season which is great to see and um you know with with boone on the ir oh yeah let's <laughs> touch upon that too yeah boone right. Jenner, <laughs> uh on the ir with a lower back issue he's week to week that is uh that's a devastating blow for a guy who is the leader of the team was having a career season, was leading the team. Um, and then, you know, Jake Borchak was day-to-day. So both those guys were out against Vegas. And we were curious, you know, who's going to step up. But here, you know, you had Chinnikov stepping up against the Wild, Sillinger stepping up against Vegas, Bjorkstrand, you know, needing to step up like he did. Um, you know, Line A, again, mm-hmm. scored on the power play. He's continued to do the Patrick Line A things. Um, so it was interesting that, you know, when Jenner went on the IR, he was the team leader in goals and points. But after Vegas game, line eight tied him in goals. Bjorkstrand with four points passed him in points. Yep. So uh, those guys are stepping up. Yeah, and they've been they've been tracking him down recently too. I've been kind of watching it. They've been closing in on him, and it was only a matter of time. But and how about Jack Roslovic too? Mm-hmm. Um, he he's he's been kind of the one of the whipping boys on, on this team this season with, with the struggles that he's had. I thought that he, I thought that he's been a lot better uh, yeah. as of late. Um, he stepped into a bigger role last night um, and it didn't show up on, on the scoreboard, uh, but I thought that he played a really solid game yesterday. Yeah. He, he's getting a lot better. I think he's getting a lot more comfortable. Um, I don't, he's not going to be a, a top center for this team, but as a, as a middle six guy, certainly I think there's a spot for him. Um, and I think we've talked about that before where early in the season, I was starting to think like, is there a future for him here? Now I feel like, yeah, he has shown enough to 
you know, to get another contract this summer. Um, we'll just see if he can be priced accordingly. But, you know, good on him for, you know, taking his struggles with the right mindset, working through it, and, you know, finding the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, give credit to the coaching staff, too, because there have been a lot of guys that have gone through ups and downs, and, you know, they've kept a steady hand on the ship there. And mm-hmm. I think you've seen a lot of guys that have, gotten better as the season's gone on, even despite some early struggles. Yeah. I, you know, you talk about a guy like Roslovic too, and you asked a question earlier about re-signing Domi. Um, you know, if it were something that the organization were interested in and, and could pull off and re-signing Domi, um, you would think that that would cause some other dominoes to fall. And mm. one of those dom- dominoes could be Jack Roslovic. Um, you know, is there a spot on the team for Rosovic if if they re-sign Domi with Marchenko and, and Johnson mm. um, coming up and potentially others as well? So, and then you got a guy like Gus Nyquist too, um, who if you're re-signing Domi, you're thinking about past next season, right? Right. Um, so, you know, is Nyquist on the team next year? Probably, um, but you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of moving parts this this summer for sure. Yeah. So if you had to re-sign just one of Rosovic or Domi, which one would you keep? Domi. Interesting. I I think I might go with Rosovic just because he's younger and he can play center and then maybe even can't, a little, little bit the hometown marketing. Can he though, PD? <laughs> I mean, more, more so than Domi <laughs> He's a better center than Dover. That is true. That is true. So, um, but that's it's an interesting thing to consider. We'll have to uh, keep an eye on that as, as the season goes on. So uh, that is it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Um, tune in next week because we'll be recording Monday night after the trade deadline, and we will see how those dominoes fall. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. So we'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.